Welcome to the Woof, Wag, and Bone, bringing you tales of the dogs who bring us so much love, joy, and laughter. Welcome to the Woof, Wag, and Bone. This is the first edition, and it's taken me a while to get to it. I've thought about it loads and loads in my head. I've had artwork done for it. I've talked to lots of people. I've actually even recorded a number of different little mini episodes. But every time I go to launch it and to do this this real official first episode, there's been something holding me back until today. So I thought that I would start off by just telling you a little bit about why I'm doing the woof, wag, and bone, and what the woof in my life is, or the key woofs in my life are. So the woof, wag, and bone is to bring a bit of the love, the laughter, and the joy that dogs bring into our lives, um, and to share that with other people, whether you have a dog or not. For the most part, it should be lighthearted, but the reality is that sometimes there's sadness and um, heartbreak as well, and I think sharing those is important too, because our fur babies become such a huge part of our lives. They're so important, and they they, they really are life-changing. So for today's episode, I'm just going to give you a little bit about my background and how Woody came to be part of my life after a huge gap in having dogs as any part of my life, really. So I grew up with cats and dogs and hamsters, and we always had some sort of pet. My mother was a softie when it came to them. So, you know, when my brother arrived home one day with a kitten, that he'd found on his way back from a party, there was no doubt that the kitten was going to stay with us. In the same way that when somebody found a dog wandering lost and, you know, showed it to my mum, there was no way the dog wasn't going to come home with us. My mum would go through all of the, you know, the, the actions of, you know, posting at that point. We would put it onto the local radio and say, you know, a dog or a cat had been found. And, but nobody would turn up. And sure enough, that animal would become part of our life. So that was all great. And I loved cats and, and loved dogs and, and life, you know, was good. And then I went away to university. And one of the things that I noticed is that whenever I seemed to come home from university, I'd, I'd get a cold and I'd go back to university. And I was thinking, it's really weird. Whenever I go home, um, I get sick. And then finally on this one trip, I went home and our latest cat, Tigger, had had seven little bundles of joy. So we had these seven little kittens tumbling over themselves, little balls of fluff that were adorable. And I got up one morning and I sat up on my bed and I was kind of like, <sighs> and I was thinking, well, you know, I may not be you know, the fittest person, but I'm not normally this bad. And I got up and I walked myself into the bathroom, which was really just a few steps. And I, I had to sit down on the side of the bath to, again, to catch my breath. So, um, and I'm really good at 
you know, just carrying on. So I, I carried on and I got you know myself dressed and I went into the kitchen and I, I sat down on a chair to, to put my shoes on. And I'm like, <gasps> my mother was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, 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 of course I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll be fine. And I'm bending down trying to tie up my shoe and I'm out of breath. And my mother said, I think I'm going to take you to hospital. So I was like, no, I'm fine. But she insisted. So off to the hospital, we went and um, they gave me oxygen, oxygen. It was just amazing. But as a result of this, we discovered that I was actually now quite allergic to cats. And while I'd been getting sick, what I'd actually been getting was asthma. And I just thought it was some sort of cold, didn't realize. And the addition of, of, you know, seven kittens just pushed me over the edge into something that you know, couldn't be ignored anymore. So at this point, I started to distance myself from, from cats in the main, because at that point, I mainly reacted to cats. And this is the norm. You know, a lot of the time with allergies, they do build up over time. So if you've had a lot of exposure to something, you can um, develop an allergy. And equally, if you then stop exposing yourself to them, you can find that the reaction might dissipate. It just depends on the situation. Uh, the same with children born with allergies. You know, quite often as they get older, those allergies can disappear. So not abnormal, but, you know, a bit upsetting. I now couldn't play with these gorgeous seven little kittens and really couldn't, you know, play or fuss, you know, other cats either. So as time went over and I, you know, I went back to university and I was, you know, sort of moving on with my life, um, my allergies continued to actually get worse. So they got worse in terms of not only cats being a problem, but dogs starting to become a problem. Horses were a problem. So any mammal basically was now a problem. So I just distanced myself from those. And I'd be really cautious if I went around to somebody's house and, you know, they had pets of some sort. I wouldn't necessarily stay that long or I'd make sure I had antihistamine. Um, and really just taking them as far out of my life as I could because they, you know, it was a problem. Asthma is not something to, to, um, to play around with. But then for reasons that I don't really recall, a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to try again. I'd read about, you know, labradoodles and how they're, you know, supposedly hypoallergenic. And I thought, well, maybe if I just go on to this website, borrowmydoggy.com, I can just borrow it all. And if it's a labradoodle, Maybe I'll be okay. Maybe, you know, and if I'm just taking them out for a walk and they're not coming into my house, maybe everything will be good. So I joined up and I put my little, you know, bio up on there and said what I was looking for. And then I got a message through from Liz saying she had a beautiful apricot labradoodle who needed some walking and things. And, you know, should we meet? Off I trundled to meet with Woody and Liz. His human sister had popped along to make sure I was a safe pair of hands that could be trusted with their dog. And we haven't looked back. That was about, I think, seven years ago. 
and Woody has become a more and more integral part of my life as we go forward. He started off where I would go around to his house, I'd pick him up, I'd take him for a walk, I'd return him home. Um, then we moved on to him coming to my house and spending an afternoon and then going home. And this was all building up to see what my allergies would do and how I would react. I learned that I have to take antihistamines. I'm still allergic. But if I take antihistamines, it all seems to be good unless you toss another dog into the mix when sometimes, depending on the dog, um, you know, sometimes I start to notice a reaction, sometimes not. So Woody built up until he was actually, you know, staying the night. And then he was staying several nights. Uh, we moved from him arriving with all of his, you know, belongings packed and ready for him to stay for a few days to actually he's now got, I think he's got three beds um, in the house. He's got his own water bowl and food bowl and supplies of food here. So now he just turns up, his lead's handed over. He doesn't even say hello to me when he arrives anymore. I open the door and he trots in and goes off to check out the house to make sure everything's still okay and nothing has happened um, since he was last here. So he's been this incredible addition to my life. And if you know me, you'll have heard of Woody. Odds are you might even have met him because I take him everywhere with me as much as possible. I figured if I'm borrowing a dog, why would I just leave him at home? That kind of defeats the purpose of borrowing a dog. So Woody would come to networking with me. He'd come to meetings with me. He really just, anywhere I can take him with me, he comes along. And it's great because he's a real icebreaker apart from anything. I always remember once I was sat in this uh, coffee shop and this guy came in to this coffee shop and he was a real... Um, you know, if you looked at him, he was a big guy and he looked like he was a biker. He looked um, really quite tough, you know, so all the stereotypes. And and there's no way on earth that he and I would ever have spoken because I just wouldn't have, you know, I don't tend to talk to people unless they talk to me. Um, the, with a dog now, I do. Um, but anyway, so he comes in and he walks past and he sort of says hi to Woody and then he goes to stand in the queue and then the queue's taking a bit of time. So he comes back and, and you know, says hi to Woody and he and I have a chat again. Um, and then he goes back to, to get his stuff. And then as he's leaving, I suddenly notice and I look and he's standing at the door and he's waving goodbye. And none of that would have happened. That little friendly interlude wouldn't have happened without Woody. And I think that's for me is one of the big changes is that you have these conversations, you meet these people, you say hello to them. It might just be, you know, a minute or two in your day, but they're interactions that you wouldn't have had without your beloved dog being there. So I've found that Woody has just made a huge difference to my life. I love having him. There are loads of stories I can tell you about him, but I want to make sure that going forward, I'm not just telling stories about Woody, but also telling you stories about, you know, other dogs. There's other dogs in my life. There's the delightful Indy. Um, so Indy Shepherdoodle, who is a gorgeous, um, but rather persistent, young lady who absolutely adores Woody. And if you've looked on Instagram, you'll find some pictures. And wherever we go, I think every picture I've got of Woody and Indy is of Indy looking at Woody because she is determined that she is going to convince him to play with her one day. 
I'm not quite so, um, I don't think that's going to happen. But she's determined and she's been trying for a year now. And who knows, maybe she'll she'll get her way at some point. We've got Pasha. Pasha is a beautiful Hungarian Vishla. Um, and he's just, you know, Woody's the, the cute and cuddly, whereas Pasha is the sophisticate. You know, his face, his shape um, is just gorgeous. And in the sunlight, the, the golden red colors of, of his coat are just amazing. And Pasha's a bit... A bit of a pickle. And so we'll be hearing some stories about Pasha, some stories about Indy, and I'm really hoping that you'll be sending me your stories as well, because I'd really love this to just, you know, be all of the things that we, we love about our dogs, the things that bring us joy, that warm our hearts, that make us laugh, and, um, well, whatever we can share with people. So I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of the Woof Wagon Bone and my little introduction to myself and how I started to borrow Woody. And I look forward to the next episode and to hearing your stories as well. You've been listening to Deborah Levitt from Bridge Road Consultants with the Woof, Wag and Bone. Original music provided by Dinely Penny Music. Don't forget to send in your stories. 